We are indeed glad to be back. It seems like we're a once-a-year stop here, and we're back and forth between here quite a bit, going to the Queen, Arkansas, and so forth. And uh, I can't help but think that um, when I was here last January, I would never have imagined the year that would take place behind us uh, to get to here. And um, I know that everybody has been affected and by this, all of the happenings of this year is not only the virus. The virus is a, certainly a main uh, problem. But um, I, too, have had my struggles in a year's time. And um, I feel uh, very often uh, alone. I feel like I have no one that I can speak to uh, and really bear my heart. And so it's a wonderful thing that we have God, because when no one else can understand you, God already knows, doesn't he? So difficult for me um, uh, this year uh, when the uh, when uh, when uh, uh, it was mandated for churches to close. Uh, I don't know how that affected you. I remember in the 1960s, the preachers always saying, oh, we're living in the most exciting times that you could ever live in because the Lord's return is soon. Well, a whole lot sooner than now than it was in the 1960s, you know. Uh, and I thought that's that's got to be right. But when they closed church, when all these things clamped down like they did, when we saw how quickly um, our government by, for, and of the people could restrict the freedom of the people for the common good of each other, it was uh, it was disheartening. It was difficult. And when they closed church, I'll tell you the truth, I thought we would never come back. I actually thought we would never reopen church. And uh, that was something that you would think you could look back on and you could say, yes, I remember those preachers. And yes, I'm excited because the Lord's going to come. You know, there's another side to that also, isn't there? Before the Lord can come, he will finish his work in the most holy place. And some very sad words will have to be uttered. There he will say it is finished. He that is unholy, let him remain unholy. What I'm getting at, friends, is a spirit of depression came over me more than elation. Because I know that time for our fellow man is about to run out. Yes, I suppose in God's way on that day, he can keep us from thinking about that. But you know the way the scriptures are arranged. The Bible doesn't tell us that God will wipe away every tear until actually after we've come back from the thousand years. Brother, are you a Texas Ranger? No. Oh, God, thank you. Okay, I'm a little bit more not so nervous now. Well, you sure sure got a good look going there, brother. You're handsome. Glad to have you here today. And uh, it was at that time when I thought, you know, God gives each of us a ministry. We've, we've all been in ministry for a certain amount of time. And you know when that's your life. All of a sudden that phase of it's about to come to an abrupt end. It's difficult. Because when the, those luxuries of seeming luxury of time is with you, well, we get around to it Whenever. But it makes you that much more frantic um, when you know that 
that time is drawing very, very short. So uh, I was listening in Sabbath school today and I thought, oh, Lord, there's no way you're going to sew all these thoughts together and get them out in a certain amount of time. We'd be here forever. I'd be by myself up here finishing. But uh, he will, as he always does, he will bring out what he wants out today. And that's because I've been prayed for. And so the Lord's will will happen in his home, his house here, and uh, it will be wonderful. I want to think about um, a hero of mine from the 1960s. There are a couple of things that he said that I would like to uh, get out before I forget them. Uh, one of the things that this man said was a very interesting statement and he, when he said that there is nothing in all the world that is more dangerous than sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. He also would say, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Have you ever tried that? Have you ever tried to put more darkness in a room and make it turn light? It won't happen. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that, he said. Nothing could be more true. He continued to say, hate cannot drive out hate. Can you imagine throwing hate at hate? What will happen? He said, only love can do that. Friends, in our Bible today, we read the scripture reading the book of Mark. This is one of, I think, three times when Jesus is asked in the Gospels, which is the great commandment. This one is different than the other two. In the book of Luke, we find that someone came representing the lawyers, the Pharisees, and the religious elect there. And the Bible says they ask him the question, tempting him. When Jesus said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one Lord. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God with all thy heart and love thy neighbor as thyself. The Bible says in the book of Luke that this man countered wishing, according to the words of the Bible, to justify himself. And he asked, Who then is my neighbor? Jesus would follow with the story of the good what? The good Samaritan. What a kick in the teeth for the Jewish people. And not only were the Hebrews that he brought into the story Jews, but they also happened to be very, very important people, right? A Levite, the one that does the ministering in the temple and so forth. Passed by on the other side. It was the Good Samaritan. Both of the other two times, these people were sent to try and trap Jesus in his own words. It never did work, did it? Book of John, 8th chapter, we find they brought a woman. Another miracle there. They brought a woman caught in adultery. Not a man, just a woman. Somehow you can do that by yourself, I guess. Threw her at his feet. And you can almost see, as John's description uh, tells us about it, you can almost see the glee in their face, the glimmer in their eye when they say, she was caught in the very act. Now Moses says, such should be stoned. What do you say? They know good and well that this gentle shepherd who's been leading the people is not going to be in favor of a stoning. But if he doesn't hold up the law of Moses, and neither can he be the man he claims to be, but they never, never could catch Jesus and trap him in his own words. 
there is when he said, you're absolutely right. Let's go ahead and go forward with it. Let the first person throw a stone. It would be the person who has no sin in their life. And you think the story is over, friends, because all of them walked away. Story's not over. Most important part of the story comes after they're gone and Jesus looks at the woman and says, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? I want you to hear that word condemned. She said, No man, Lord. Neither do I condemn thee. I want you to listen to me, friends. Neither do I condemn thee. I'm giving you the power to resist the temptation to fall back into your sin now. Go and sin no more. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. There is therefore no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. Do you understand, friends, until that gavel drops, our God's not in the business of condemnation. He's in the the business of restoration and forgiveness. His word is true in 1 John 1, 9 when it says what? If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Some people struggle with the same sin over and over and over. And you want to look at them and say, that's evidence that you didn't give your life to the Lord Jesus. Don't be the judge, friends. There's no limit to how many times it says He's going to forgive you. I'm not preaching once saved, always saved. I'm saying as long as you want to stay saved. You can. People scared to death, you're going to say, make a statement that you can get saved, you can, you can be justified, you can uh, take on Jesus as your Savior and keep living the way He's living. Then your heart hasn't been changed, friends. That cannot happen. Same chapter of John, Jesus says to him there, unless a man's born again, he can't see the kingdom of heaven. Born again, people don't want to live in their sins. They struggle with sin. Paul said, I don't do what I want to do. I do what I don't want to do. He said, I found out it's not me. It's sin that dwells in me. This chapter is different. Because in this case, people are asking Jesus questions. And here is a scribe who overhearing them comes to Jesus and he asked the question. Let me ask you something. You remember last quarter of 2020? I know you probably would like not to. I would rather not. What were the Sabbath school lessons about? They were education. About the two other accounts where people came and asked Jesus the great commandment. Do you think they were educated? Looks like they were. What about this man? Seems he's educated. He's a scribe. He has to know the scriptures. He's constantly rewriting the scriptures. Copy after copy of the scriptures. This time the Bible says when he heard that Jesus had answered the other questions, he didn't come tempting the Lord. But he asked, which is the great commandment? Jesus replied again. He summed all the commandments up into two. In one Occasion, He said, on these two hang all the law and the prophets. That's an important thing for us to know, friends. When Jesus gave the golden rule, he said, this is the law and the prophets. 
This man heard Jesus answering. He came with a different attitude and he asked, which is the great commandment? Jesus quoted the book of Deuteronomy. We were talking about the book of Deuteronomy in Sabbath school. What Moses said would happen to the children of Israel if they did this. What would happen if they did? He said something else too that we forgot to reflect on there. I'm going to put it in my words. Don't think for one minute that I'm taking you in there because of your own righteousness. Don't think for a minute that you're going in because of your righteousness. It's because of their wickedness. When we enter there, it's never going to be on account of our righteousness, friends. It's going to be on account of his. Here in Mark, the man asks, and Jesus answers. And there, Jesus gives the answer, but this time the man doesn't want to know who is my neighbor. He said, you've given a good answer, teacher. Because to love God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself is worth more than all whole burnt offerings. You ever see what the Lord's reply to that was? You're not far from the kingdom. You see, his heart was being conditioned. His heart was about to receive a Savior that day. Oh, my friends, I don't know how many times I've been somewhere preaching. And always are, I'm amazed that no matter where we are, things boil down to that proverb you find in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. You know, there's a group, mighty group of Christians today, friends, in our nation. They lean into their own understanding. They think they know what they need to do to help God out. Somebody mentioned Abraham trying to help God out earlier. It caused a 4,000 year war. Jacob and his mother Rebecca, they helped God out concerning Isaac. Jacob never saw his mother again. God don't need your help. God does not need your help to fulfill His promise. He enlists your help and gives you the opportunity to help others to the foot of the cross. But He don't need you. We need Him. How important is education, friends? If you'd asked me that when I was a lot younger, I wouldn't have given you the same answer I do now. But I text people and I write on Facebook back and forth to people and I see people my age who do not know the difference between the preposition T-O and the comparative T-O-O. They do not know the difference between T-H-A-N and a point in time specified by the word T-H-E-N. They do not know how to make a proper noun possessive by putting an apostrophe and an S on the end of it. And many, many, many other things. But do you think that matters much? I think maybe it does, friends. I think it matters a great deal more than what we understand. If you make decisions based on ignorance, how often are they going to turn out right? This virus has got 10,000 theories behind it. Everybody knows everything about the virus but me. I've searched and searched on the internet. I can't get my medical degree yet. 
But everyone else seems to have one. Everybody knows about the mask, what it will and what it will not do. I don't know if it will prevent you from getting the disease. I don't know if it will prevent you from spreading the disease. I know one thing about the mask. It makes others sometimes feel secure. That's the one thing I do know about it. Otherwise, I'm not a scientist. I can't tell you. And if I want an opinion, and I can't study that out for myself and conduct research, then the only way I'm going to come up with an opinion is to listen to someone else who I respect and feel is an intelligent person and then take their view on it. How important is education? Friends, one day in my 24 years of working at a military base, I'm telling you this is the absolute truth. Now, all of you remember when you sworn in, you sworn to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, right? The whole truth in this matter is that a greater part of our squadron was deployed at the time. Most of the employees in the building that day were civilians, but there were some military members. It was approaching the 4th of, day, 4th of July holiday. And for some reason, I decided I would go around the entire office to all the personnel and ask them why we celebrate the 4th of July. Not one soul knew the answer. The closest answer I got was a former soldier who said, it's Independence Day. I said, well, that's correct, but who became independent from whom? He did not know. He had served in the United States Army and sworn to protect and uphold the Constitution of the United States. He didn't know about the birth of the nation. Finally, I was prompted to ask a friend of mine who had become a school teacher. Not became a school teacher. He got his teaching certificate. He still is not teaching school, praise God. Why do, we, why do we celebrate the 4th of July? Because there was a war going on. And well, I can't remember who was fighting now, but the next day the flag was still standing. We were an airlift mission, friends. We had a function indirectly in this war that we've been fighting since 2001. It's funny, but it ain't very funny. Did you know the Seventh-day Adventist denomination is a cult? Have you heard that before? Have you heard it said personally to you before? In the two times that I've encountered being able to converse with somebody who said this, let me tell you how they justified it. One couldn't say anything. But the other, he had something to say. Because they're the same thing as Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. Now Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons are a cult too, according to him. Where did they get the idea, friends? They heard someone else say it. And it sounded good. See, friends, today it's a trend to create a conspiracy out of things. Everything's a conspiracy. 
The idea that the world is round is a conspiracy because there's a group of people that believe the world is flat. There are a lot of other ones too. We're going through a very difficult time in our nation. It may, be, it may very well be that we will never, ever go back the other way very far at all, if any. Some of what's going on with us today is based on ignorance, friends. It is sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. You have two major parties right now. If you vote for one, you're automatically a racist. How can that be? How can such a thing be? Clinical research, I did it on my own. I happen to know some people that vote for that party, and I'm certain that they're not a racist. I know some people who vote for the other party and certainly are racist. Well, they still use words and stuff that let you know that they're racist. And proud about it. You vote for another one of those parties, you're automatically a baby killer. Education's important, friends. Who agrees with me today that it's just a flat shame that it's illegal to pray in public school? Very good. I'm glad I saw so many hands. Let me tell you something, friends. This is how things like that start. The ruling came in 1962 by the judicial branch of our government. Did you know there's a three-person God? There's also a three-branch system of government here in our, in our nation. It is the executive branch, the legislative branch, and the judicial branch. In 1962 came the ruling from the Supreme Court of the United States on prayer in public school. I want you to know it is not and never has been illegal for a person to pray in public school. It is illegal to hold the whole assembly together and force them to listen to or recite a Christian prayer. It should be unconstitutional to do that. How would you like to send your kids to public school and they insisted that you had to listen to a a Catholic prayer and learn a Catholic prayer that gave allegiance to the Holy Catholic Church every day? Unconstitutional. It would also be unconstitutional to forbid prayer. Let me tell you right now. Christie's best friend in college is a junior high school principal. I talked to him about this just the other day. Most of the schools designate a time and place for students to meet. And as long as it is student-led here in the state of Texas, they may pray and even hold a little Christian service. And teachers may join in if they wish. Do you understand we talked about fear in Sabbath school? Fear is how people control you. If we've ever needed to know the Scriptures today and not be ignorant of the Scriptures, friends, today is the day. We've never needed to know God through His Word more than we do right now. Two other issues. One we talked about. Every person who ever runs for president in this nation is asked what his stand on abortion is. If that is your platform on which to vote, that's your business. But do you understand that that is another finding of the judicial branch of our government? 
I personally will tell you my take on it. I think it's a horrible thing to call it a choice to undo a bad choice. But that's my opinion. It was the interpretation of the Supreme Court of the United States that not enough clarity in the Constitution defines what a person is and what it has to say about a person's right to privacy made it where it was unconstitutional to prosecute someone for having an abortion. If they did continue, then it would affect freedoms that everybody else agrees on. It's unfortunate that it ever could come to that. But that's how it came. So no matter who is running for president, all they can do is influence people with their own opinion. They cannot change it. Right now, you have the best opportunity ever. Right now, there are two to one conservative over liberal judges on the Supreme Court. Maybe they can find language in the Constitution that could change that. But your president will not be able to do it. Neither will he be able to stop them. I think it's not the best reason in the world to elect a a president. It's also an unfair thing to say that everybody who votes for that uh, person is is a baby killer. That's just taking things to extreme. The last one. Fear in the hearts of Americans that the government is going to come and take your guns away from you. Facebook uh, yesterday, there's a little sign there. Of course, Facebook's the worst place in the world to read anything. But it said, I hear gun grabbings right around the corner. Everybody starts to comment, yep, yep, it's coming. Well, let me tell you something, friends. That would have to come from the, from the Supreme Court of the United States again. And it would have to be a repealing of a written amendment to the Constitution first. There's no way anybody could dispatch an army to come get your guns. And take them away from you. And be in conflict of the constitution that they were sworn to protect. My military oath, the very last thing it says, I will defend the constitution of the United States. Not a party, not a president. Against all enemies, foreign or domestic. Why do you think there's a secret rapture theory today, friends? Because people hear other people say it and it sounds good. It fits their agenda. Not only do they believe it, they defend it with everything. How do you think a Sunday law could come into effect? Because there'll be language from somebody right now. In Fort Worth, Texas, you got a preacher. I'm going to tell you what his name is. You can turn on the TV and see him. I'm going to tell you right now, he's a devil and he's a liar. His name is Kenneth Copeland. The only reason he's on there is to get you to send his money. You're his money. Never mind. (laughs) About money. To get you to send him your money. There we go. Joel Osteen down in Houston, Texas. He's a prosperity preacher. He doesn't use the Bible. He says wonderful things like, God doesn't want you to be a victim. He wants you to be a victor. That's great. Remember, friends, 
In the temptation, the devil thought, you're going to use scripture on me, I'll use a little on you. The best work ever for a liar is to take some of the truth and alter it just enough for an ultimate lie. Didn't work on Jesus, but it works on us. Jump! It's written in the Bible, his angels will save you. Every word he said came from Psalm 91. It's in there. Jesus said in John 5, 39, you search the scriptures because in them you think that you have eternal life and they are they that testify of me. Luke 24, 27, beginning with Moses and the prophets, he expounded unto them all things in the scriptures concerning whom himself. John begins the revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The entire Bible is a revelation of Jesus. Your Bible and the Holy Ghost will help you to know the Lord. You don't need somebody's opinion. Luke would write about the Bereans. He said these were more noble than they in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all gladness. And what? Search the scriptures whether those things were true. There's confusion out there, friends. What do we call that in our denomination? We call it Babylon, don't we? And we know it's the wrong side of things when things get down to the end, don't we? If you listen to people, great. I heard Bernard say it, to the law and the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, there is how much light? A little bit of light? There's no light in them. The devil used Psalm 91, left out a phrase, there was no light in what he said. Because darkness cannot drive out darkness, friends. Today, people are looking at things that are happening, looking at truth right straight in the face and saying, no, that's not what that is. That's not what it is. It's not that. It's this. this. I know you are, but what am I? I'll tell you something. It's scary. But then we're not supposed to be afraid because the Lord is coming. This all started at the very beginning. Friends, listen, remember how it worked. The serpent said to the woman, hasn't God said you could eat from every tree? Did she know the truth? She said exactly. We can eat of the trees of the garden, but of the tree that's in the midst, we can't eat it, neither can we touch it, lest what we die. You shall not surely die. It's a flat out lie. God knows in the day that you eat thereof, you shall be as God's knowing good from evil. Did it change the truth? Not a bit. But she liked to lie better than she liked the truth. She liked to lie better than she liked the truth. And here we are as a result. The Lord calls us, friends. He calls us to His Word. Other people's experiences are there to help us. What do they say? David and King Solomon both would say the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom, right? Right? What did David say about the law of God? That's all the Bible there was then. Thy law have I hidden in my heart that I might what? Right. What about Peter walking on the water? Everything was going great. The Bible says he saw the wind and the waves. Contrary. There's a lot of wind blowing out there, friends. A lot of hot wind blowing out there. A lot of waves to toss you about and they'll have their way with you if we don't know the truth.
We've been bragging for decades about the all being the only people to have the truth. What is the truth? What is there in the Bible to say about the truth? Jesus said, you know the truth and what will it do? Set you free. There's freedom in truth, friends. Pontius Pilate would look at Jesus after he made reference to the truth. What did he ask him? What is truth? The Lord had the answer, not to him that day. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If the truth is hard to understand, friends, the Bible tells us if we lack wisdom, we can go to God and he'll give it to us. High school education. High school education, and I know there's a three-branch three system of government. Friends, I'm going to tell you something. People, people are voting these days. They don't know anything about how our government works or how it's supposed to work. Right now, people now, after experience, young people believe that a president of the United States is a king or a ruler. Friends, a president of the United States was an office designed to fit the man or woman who is the most responsible elected servant of the American people. Is that biblical? Yes, it is. What did Jesus say? You've been arguing about who's going to be the greatest. You want to be the greatest? Be the minister to all. He that would be chief, let him be their what? Servant. These things that are written about Jesus Christ, friends, melt the heart. They melt the heart and cause the change of attitude. We don't have to worry that people are going to accept Jesus Christ and keep living the way they live. If they do, their heart hasn't been changed and the Lord will keep working. He's a faithful God. And hey, I'm glad I know Him. I'm glad He loved me. I'm glad He looked through my stupidity, my conscientious stupidity, all those years ago. It hadn't got a whole lot better, I'll tell you that. But it's not His fault. I'm glad He can take the worst person and put them up front to deliver His Word. And He based on how good you are. Based on how good he is. Amen. Everything about us, friends, is based on how good he is. Decade after decade after decade, our denomination struggled with something that they should have found out in 1888 when the introduction of the belief of righteousness by faith was rejected by our elders back then. And God's messenger had to move to Australia for a while. She said, you've made a mistake. Let me tell you something, friends. We've had enough time, enough experience now that I hope you'll join me in knowing this. There is no righteousness outside of Jesus Christ. Amen. There is no salvation any other kind of way except through His grace and His blood. Amen. And if we're ever biblical experts and we don't know those things, throw it all away. We need a simple education that says I'm going to trust the Lord with all my heart. I'm going to refrain from turning to my own understanding. I've had enough experience to know where that leads. I'm asking God to give me the power that in everything I say and do acknowledges Him and His greatness and His wonderful love that melts the human heart. And on my deathbed... Or on the resurrection morning, I'll be able to look back and say, there came a time in my life when I did these things. And from that, for, that point forward, God directed my paths. 
That's better than winning the Super Bowl, friends. It's better than winning the NBA championship. It's better than winning president of the United States. And much better. God puts in there who he will. We talked about a more gentle kingdom of the Babylonians that came and, 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 and took away the Jews, but they still weren't very gentle. They might have been much more so than the Assyrians and Sennacherib. That's evident. But isn't God wonderful? Because he took a man who knew nothing about the living God and he converted him. And he did what was necessary to do it. And one of the most powerful things written in the Bible is one of the things that wasn't written by a Hebrew. The fourth chapter of Daniel written by the hand of King Nebuchadnezzar. All the experience he had and how God was patient. He first introduced himself as one of the gods and he was content to do that for a moment. Next experience, he's a god of the gods. But when he was finished, he was the only god to Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar praised him and said, I extol the Lord. And nobody can ask him, what do you think you're doing? Interesting, to say the least. It's a wonderful expression of God's love, how he took that proud man and did what was necessary. And won't it be interesting, friends, as we make our rounds either up there or down here in the new earth and shake hands with King Nebuchadnezzar and thank him for what he wrote for us in the fourth chapter of the book of Daniel. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? It's a wonderful God that goes to those extremes. Listen, friends, when you look at that guy down there in the ditch that lives for his methamphetamine and that's all his life is about, remember God died for him while he was still a sinner, just like he did you. And there's every reason to believe that he's going to keep on trying to save this person so that he has a victorious story to tell in heaven. Went in prison, and I'm about to finish, believe it or not. In prison there, ministering for 11 years, not serving time. It came to pass. (laughs) That a group of uh, men with our same gender attraction, put it that way, I'm trying to save the children. Began to come to my services. In other words, when I preach, I don't call them my services. Do you know that about 80% of our congregation in the prison at that time were convicted of sex crimes? They didn't want those homosexuals there with them. Some people, sometimes the Lord puts me in positions. Where he don't know that he don't let me know that he's sneaking up on me like that, and and all of a sudden I have to suppress a rage inside of me. You think God loves people who have an incorrect desire for one another? You think God doesn't love those people? You better think again if you don't. So I quickly told the men of the congregation, "You better get over it. Be glad they're here." And yet, they still got to me. Week after week I preached, they came, sat at the back, tears flowing, the Holy Ghost was after them, 
had explained everything about how simple it would be to be saved and they would not come down. Now, of course, you know, a preacher is manipulating things when he says you got to do it right now. That's not the truth. They can, they can make their mind up any time. But there's a public opportunity to make it known. And they wouldn't come down until finally I said, boys, I'm going I'm to address you. I'm going to address you personally. It's all over you. I said, people that's been doing this know how to recognize that. I know you want to come down. You see sinner after sinner come down and make their peace with God. But you won't do it. I said, you're telling me one of two things. Either you don't believe God has the power to deliver you. Or you love your sin more than you love God. Forgot about it. Continued on. Was there another day. Gave the invitation one lone man came down to give his life to the Lord Jesus. My heart yearned for the man. I went down. And I put my arms around him. And I said, brother, I want to know, is this the first time you've made this attempt to give your life to the Lord Jesus? He said, yes, it is. And he said, I want you to know something. He said, I'm a homosexual. I said, that's wonderful. He said, God's given me the ability and the power not to practice that lifestyle, but I still am one. And he said, I want you to know something else. I don't love my sin more than I love God. And I told him then, I said, then the angels are writing your name down in God's book of life right now. He may never get over the wrong attraction, friends, but he is acting on the ability God has given him not to commit sin. I tried to tell that story at the Navy gym where I was working part time. And the man interrupted me and he laughed and he said, me and the rest of my deacons at our church said if homosexuals ever showed up at our church, we're going to hold hands and make a circle around them and sing Amazing Grace till they leave. That kind of thing is all over our country right now. You better know it. It was only a few months later that man decided to end his own life. And I hope that he had made his peace with God. Because evidently he was a person in church that didn't quite yet know Jesus. Why would you want to run sinners off from church? What are you going to have in there? Of whom I am chief. That's what Paul says about being a sinner. And you look at his life and go, what chance have I? It's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and His desire to save you into His kingdom. He's a good God. He's a loving God. And friends, I want you to know today, right now, all around you is distractions. Some of them may not be come and be a devil worshiper, but they're distractions to keep your eyes off of Jesus, friends. But we're going to sing a closing hymn. And our closing hymn tells us in the chorus, should you turn your eyes on Jesus and look full in His wonderful face, the things of earth, grow strangely dim. Strangely dim because it's in our nature to desire those things. And when the Lord changes our heart, we want to find our happiness in pleasing Him from then on. We don't want them in the things that we can have, the pleasures that we can have. Talked about Moses said he he decided not to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose not to enjoy the, the pleasures of sin. God's own word tells you that there's pleasure in sin for a season. 
And then the misery is right around the corner. God says, hold on through this life of woe. Two weeks ago, I went to the funeral of a friend of 46 years. Already my heart is heavy. It was outside freezing cold. I wasn't dressed for it. Got back in the car and found out that people had stormed the Capitol building and tried to take over Congress. That was on a Wednesday. On Sabbath, I would preach. I would preach the message in Granbury, Texas. And as I prayed the closing prayer, I couldn't finish. And I broke down and had to leave. The plight of man is so sad. And his end is so near. I pray, friends, today that we will take our education, that personal education in knowing Jesus Christ and the truth about His coming, the truth about His salvation. We've known about the events of the Lord's coming in our denomination forever since we started. How many wonderful people have known those things and gone to their rest and never known the Lord Jesus? It's very possible very probable we don't want to be those friends if we want to be waiting for the lord jesus the bible says they're recognized by what the characteristics of of the remnant are that they keep the commandments of god there they were for you love god and love people and they have the testimony of jesus the testimony of jesus and understanding that is what causes you to love god and love people that's the commandments friend and the new testament is clear A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. As I have loved you that you love one another. By this may all men know that you are my disciple. If you have love one for another. And if you think about it and think it's difficult to do. Just remember how much God has loved you. That's where the secret in loving others is. Letting the Lord Jesus love you. Friends it's my desire today we will indeed turn our eyes upon Jesus. We'll look full in his wonderful face. You'll turn to 290, number 290. We'll sing it together. And friends, today, if you feel today is a day that you need a new start, today is a day you'd like to say, hey, I want to put all things behind me now and concentrate on the wonderful face of the Lord Jesus. As we sing, you come down. And God will once again, even if it's your hundredth time, he will accept you there. Number 290. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace.